Welcome. This is Corinne Modokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. One of the obstacles I do a lot of coaching on every day, every week, consistently, it comes down to boundaries. There's not clarity about boundaries. We're afraid to enforce boundaries we may not even realize it's a boundary problem. And boundaries are simply, here's what's okay, and here's what's not okay. And while it's simple, there's always these contextual layers to it. So for those of you that are involved in, that have toxic cultures in the workplace, which a lot of us do, our family systems, we have our own toxicities, it stems from not having boundaries. So while we have physical boundaries, right, we have our homes, maybe our office spaces, if you've returned back to work, we have our cars, those are physical boundaries that we can touch and we can see. And some of us have property lines or fences. And I often think of, I've always used the metaphor that boundaries are your fence posts, our jobs to maintain our fence posts. And that, of course, people are going to be pushing against them. I used to think that people should never push against our fence posts, but that's magical thinking and only creates a lot of pain and suffering. So it's much better to realize that, oh, the maintenance of the fence posts is really something that I need to do for my boundaries. Years ago, I had a parent who wanted to have a meeting and one of my kids was playing basketball and I knew that their game was going to start at a certain time. And so I let the parent know, I said, I have this heart out, say, you know, at this time, because I need to get to my daughter's basketball game. And I was getting up to leave for the basketball game. And the parent kept talking to me and talking to me. And now remember in the setting up of the appointment to have this meeting, I had already was very clear about what time I had a hard stop at. And I thought, oh, she'll follow along. She'll know that I have this hard stop. I get up from the meeting to leave the meeting to head out to my daughter's game. And she continues to talk and continues to talk. So even though a few days before it was clear, here's what time I need to leave. I got up. It was clear. Here's what time I need to leave. I still stayed. Now, my part is, is that I still stayed instead of saying, excuse me, can we continue this at another time? I'd have another time to go to. And I remember driving to the, my daughter's game and in tears because like, I didn't respect my own boundary along with the parent. I didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. We must end now. We can come back to this again. Let's book another time, right? I didn't create that space. I didn't own my voice. And I realized that there was my part in the maintaining the fence posts, just as she was leaning and pushing against it, trying to get what she needed. It was a really, really valuable lesson for me many years ago. It's when one of my kids, I don't remember which one, but one of them was in junior high. And so they're both in university now. So it was, it was some, quite some time ago. So there's always great learning that we can have. And I also realized that there's a lot of resistance 
to having boundaries in our lives, right? One is there's the resistance because we may not see it. And often we have this belief that if we can't see something, it's not real. (laughs) So it's not like a house that has a physical boundary, right? We can't see it. It's not real. And we may not be aware of how much it really matters to have boundaries, right? Boundaries are so, so helpful. It helps us understand what's okay, what's not okay. And understanding that different people have different boundaries. So when I used to teach at college, I had a syllabus for my classes and it was, here's what's okay. Here's what's not. Here were the expectations. It was really clear. Here were the guidelines. Here were the boundaries about when you would turn in your paper, what the constraints were, right? The margins, the font size, the spacing, the more that it is clear then they know how to navigate through my class it may be different than another professor. And that's okay, as long as it follows within the college's academic code of conduct and the rules that we're supposed to apply for, right, as teachers. So I give you that as an example of when you are getting clear about what are your boundaries, and you may judge yourself because somebody else has different boundaries. As long as it works within the parameters of whether it's your workplace culture and the rules of your workplace, your government's culture, your city's culture. If you live in a homeowner's association, the homeowners, right? Like we are all connected to each other and there is rules that we have to follow that we need to align with, right? Be Again, if you choose to buy a home or live in a home, that's part of a homeowner's association. When you agree to move into this home area, there's an agreement to whether you're parking your car in your driveway, it has to be parked in the garage. And it's really important to know what those boundaries are. And then you can make the choice of whether or not you want to live there. Okay. So boundaries really matter. And when we don't know what the boundaries are, we don't know what's okay and what's not okay. Here's the other problem with boundary setting is that we often worry that we're being too much we're being too difficult, or frankly, we're being a bitch because we have boundaries. We should be easygoing. It shouldn't bother us. But that's also what creates chaos. That's what creates toxic cultures. When you are leading people and you have different rules for different people, it breaks trust over time. And that's the challenge of leading and navigating and creating boundaries. One of my favorite quotes that I share with my clients all the time is from Prentice Hemphill. And Prentice's quote is, boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. I'm going to say that again, and we'll also put it in the show notes. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. It's an and it's not an or. It's not, oh, I love you and I don't love myself. It's the space that I can love you and myself at the same time. That's really, really important. So for some of my clients, it's about having boundaries with our parents, right? Our older parents. And we're an adult. We may have been an adult for 20, 30, 40 years. And sometimes our parents still remember us as seven or eight-year-olds. And what are the boundaries that need to be in place so I can love you and myself simultaneously? Or 
maybe you're the mother and what boundaries do you need to have in place so that you can love them, your kids and yourself? I remember when my daughter was, I think she was about four, four and a half and we had this great sleep schedule and we had nap time in the afternoon and she started to want to outgrow the nap time and didn't want to have it. And, and I think part of it was she didn't want to have it. And she also thought, Oh, this is a great opportunity to be with my mom. My sister's taking a nap and I get one-on-one time, not realizing, right. Not thinking through of how was that going to play out for her later in the day when she was so exhausted. So we, we had a boundary because yes, while I could have had that one-on-one time, I also needed that downtime and that space for myself so that I could love and support her and carry on with the day that we had in front of us. And I remember talking to her and saying, here are the things that you can play with in your room so that afterwards we can come back together and enjoy our time together because we'll both be filled up, right? So again, going back to Prentice Hemphill, fantastic explanation of boundaries. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Now, I can hear some of you say, well, great, Corinne, but I'm not loving anybody at work. (laughs) There's no way, no how. It's not appropriate. That's not appropriate boundary. I get that. So at work, you may not want to love someone, right? It may not be an appropriate emotion to have in your workplace. And boundaries are still necessary. So we can reframe it to be boundaries are the distance at which I can support you and myself simultaneously. We tend to think in terms of zero sum games, who's winning, who's losing. It's an either or either I support them at the sacrifice of myself, right? That's not healthy. That's martyrism. So when we think about boundaries, it's about What's the support that we need to have for ourselves so we can support others? What's the space that we need to have so that we can rise up together instead of this old model of powering over each other? So the framework that I use with my clients is there's a situation and then what boundaries need to be put into place so I can fill in the blank, right? So I'm going to run through a few different models an example so that you can gather some insights. I did this with one of my groups a couple months ago, because it's a great question to ask, (laughs) but they, it was like staring into, you know, headlights, like a deer in headlights. Like, I don't know how to answer. I don't even know what to do. So I'm helping prime the pump to give you some ideas as you go on and then explore and integrate this work for your life. So situation is you're a leader in your workplace and you want to support your employees. You realize they're stressed, they're overwhelmed, they're on burnout. They're just constantly exhausted, whatever it may be. The question before you go in and address and give support to them is what boundaries need to be in place so I can support my employees? One may be that you have the time or the space to handle these issues that aren't on your list. You don't have, like when you look at your calendar, it's booked with meetings, your own work, right? All these deadlines that you need to get done. There's not the space on your calendar to handle this. 
right? And here's the thing. Our employees, our personnel are most important assets at work. I know in the past we've discarded them, right? Lots of workplaces will say, oh, I'll just get rid of this person and bring them in. With the great resignation and with the employment factors right now, a lot of employers are realizing they can't do that. There's too much knowledge that the people have. There's not the bodies to replace them. And what employers and companies are realizing is that people are very, very important assets. They're not machines. Right. And it took to this crunch. We'll see how long this lasts when there's more employees than there are jobs. But for right now, this is where we're at. So maybe it's that you need time and space to handle issues that aren't on your to-do list. Do you create space for those problems? It's not a matter of if a problem is going to happen. It's a matter of when, right? We need to have some buffer space. Think about it. In terms of money, we talk about this idea of having a rainy day fund, right? Where that's a culturally programmed, like we need to have money set aside for a rainy day. We need to put time in our week, in our day to be able to handle some of the problems, right? And so simple ways of doing that could be making sure that you block off an hour for lunch, right? You may get an hour, you may only get 30 minutes, but now you've got some buffer to be able to handle things that are unexpected, right? I have many clients who very proudly say, oh, Corinne, I work through lunch. (laughs) The problem is, is that their day is so packed and never ending that then when the grenades fall, there's no room for it. So having time set aside for lunch, for breaks, not that they're ideal, for creating, you know, support for your employees. But that may be the first step of being able to have some space for these unexpected things. That's the messiness of life. So what boundaries need to be put into place so I can support my employees? Time and space to handle issues that aren't on your to-do list or part of your company's economic plan. And I mean, economic plan is it's not driving in income, right? When you're supporting employees, there's not a direct correlation, But man, oh man, is it a byproduct for your company, right? The other is what boundaries need to be put into place so I can support my employees is sleep. Not that you sleep to support them, but that you get enough sleep so that you are full when you go into the workplace, really taking care of yourself. I used to have this belief. I heard my dad say this, and this is part of my family of origin, but you know, in high school, he would always say, why would I sleep eight hours a day? Why would I waste a third of my life by sleeping? And I just took that on to and absorb that belief and said, yes, why would I do that? That's ridiculous. I'm just going to sleep off of four or five hours. What I didn't realize was how is that impairing my cognitive function, my ability to think and reason? How is that impairing my athletic performance? Right? How is that impairing my ability to learn while I was in university or my own health in terms of then what substances, lots of Coke and then diet Coke, right? That I was needing to take in to keep myself alert, but then not really probably functioning at a high rate at times and being so overly exhausted. And then the many, many decades it took to learn to overcome that limiting belief in realizing that sleep is really important. It's part of what we need to do to take care of ourselves so that we can 
go and do our work, have loving, creating relationships, all of that. So what boundary may need to be in place is you may need to have sleep. Some clients I have six hours or seven hours is what works for them. Some clients, they know it's nine. There's not a judgment. Know your body, listen and trust it. If you're on the six hours, is that because maybe you had some limiting beliefs like I did? And so that's, that's what you thought you needed. And maybe over time you can cultivate and have more sleep. Sleep is so important. Our brain does a lot of washing of it while we're sleeping. There's a lot of figuring things out. There's things that are happening. There's healing in our body. Sleep is so, so important. I wish I understood that, you know, when I was an athlete and when I was in college and in my twenties and thirties, but I've learned it now. Okay. So sleep is really important. The other boundary that I know, (laughs) if you want to be supportive of other people, I go back to the principal from Brene Brown, probably the first time I ever interviewed her was you cannot give what you do not have, right? That concept. So if you want to provide support for your employees, you have to be able to have compassion and empathy for yourself. Compassion is kindness, right? Talking to yourself the way you talk to somebody that you're really kind to, not approval whoring, but kind to, right? So maybe how I talk with you on this podcast or how I talk with my clients, who is it that you talk to when you're at your best, when you have a lot of compassion, that's how you want to talk with yourself. Understanding that you're not alone, right? Common humanity. We all go into the self-judgment. It's something that we've definitely been culturally programmed to do right? And being mindful of the thoughts and the stories that we tell ourselves. That's compassion. And empathy is having perspective, right? Of, wow, I have a lot or, oh, I I knee jerk and I say yes. And I say yes. And now I look at my calendar going, what was I thinking? This is impossible. And now Corinne's saying, oh, hey, (laughs) you need to have space in your day so you can support your employees. No judgment. Just check in, have empathy for yourself, take perspective, recognize the emotions that are coming up, own your story with yourself, share it with somebody who's earned the right to hear your story, right? Stay out of judgment. That's how you're able to go in and support your employees is by staying out of judgment. Judgment doesn't help. Judgment actually makes us small, right? Critical thinking to figure out how do we solve the problem versus blaming is really important. So when you can have compassion and empathy for yourself, you can then offer it up for your employees, right? So sometimes it's, okay, if I want to support my employees, what does support look like for me so that I can fill myself up? I have this blue mason jar with a handle that one of my clients got me because it has a butterfly engraved on it. And one of the things that we talk about is the transformation and, and becoming a butterfly and like, you know, flying through your life. I drink out of that. And I always think about, you know, it's 32 ounces. That's a much bigger cup than like an eight ounce, right? So capacity. But I think about that as my metaphor of like, where am I? Am I closer to empty? When I'm close to empty, it's really hard to be supportive of others. So what do I need to do to fill that up so that I can then go support other people? And I used to be the person that understood the, remember the the airplane, if you're on an airplane and the airplane's going down, who do you put the face mask on first? Yourself or your child? Used to be like that heroic, like, no, I'm going to put it on my child first and, you know, I'll be damned. And I understood intellectually how that was the not going to be very effective and, <laughs> and work. 
And it's taken me time to really understand and go back and say, oh, where am I? And what do I need to do to fill myself up? So what boundary you may need is the ability to have self-awareness, to check in, to see where are you right now on your own capacity of support because you can't give what you don't have. Another situation is the unexpected crisis at work. So I was talking about supporting employees, but like the unexpected crisis. I had a client this week who was like, Corinne, grenades are going off all over the place. I blocked off all this time to get this important work. Grenades are going off, right? So the question to ask ourselves is what boundaries need to be put into place so I can handle the unexpected crisis at work? What we do, our knee-jerk reaction is argue with this and say, this shouldn't be happening. This is ridiculous. People need to take care of their shit, right? That's armor. (laughs) That's not what my client said, but this is a very common response, right? But this armor doesn't actually help us solve the problem. And it tends to lead us to getting madder and distracted and possibly story fondle. So instead, we want to ask ourselves, like, what boundaries need to be put into place? Because of course, right now the grenades are going off and maybe you don't even get to figure it out because you're trying to just cover from the grenades. But maybe at the end of the week or the beginning of the next week, look at, okay, what boundaries do I need to put into place so I can handle the unexpected crisis? This is when we have these amazing key learnings is when the shit shows happen. You guys, after the shit shows and everything has just been a disaster zone, there's so much potential for key learnings for us to develop new systems to create better behaviors for ourselves and for others. It may or may not happen, but at least if there's less of a cost for you, right? You can't control what other people do, but if you can have boundaries in place for those crises, you know what's coming. An example of this is I had met somebody who lived in the city that had a really high crime rate. And this is probably about 12 years ago. And so like my immediate defense is like, oh, I just would never go to that city. Why would I go to that city? It's dangerous. I don't want to, you know, something bad to happen to me. And I asked her, I said, so, and she, then she was talking about how she walked around in this really dangerous city. And I said to her, I go, well, how do you know, like, that you're going to be safe? And she said, I walk down the street, essentially with her eyes wide open, and she pays attention. And when she starts to notice something that maybe someone who may be shifty, or she may be a little concerned, she crosses the street, right? So her boundary is she keeps really aware of what's going on and where it could be potentially not a safe environment for her where then she can cross the street. Okay. And so again, what are the boundaries that need to be put into place so you can handle the unexpected crisis space of time? Maybe it's the ability to delegate, knowing who do you have on your support team who can take off some of the stuff so that you can go handle these other things that as you've discerned, only you can handle, right? And maybe it's also the understanding of this isn't your problem to solve and not taking it on. Sometimes like I can get into fixer mode or I want to be distracted because I don't want to do my hard vulnerable work. So it's like, let me go jump into this shit show over here. And then I can be the hero when having the discernment of like, okay, here's a crisis. What's my part in it? And what's not my part in it? Is this my responsibility to solve? Is this not my responsibility to solve? Right. Getting really clear about that. 
And then the other part is understanding that we're not responsible for other people's emotions, right? We're not responsible for their emotions. Their emotions come from within. We are responsible for the energy we bring into a space, but we're not responsible for their emotions. We can hold that space for them. It's not your job to make them happy. It's not your job to make them feel secure because you can tell them something, but if they don't believe it, they're still not going to feel secure, right? You can't make people feel better. So we're not responsible for other people's emotions. The next scenario is you're going to give a high pressure presentation at work. You're actually giving a presentation at work and you're putting a lot of pressure or maybe your boss is putting a lot of pressure because maybe you're trying to land a client or trying to showcase something or you're, I have a lot of clients in the biomedical field where, you know, you're wanting to get government, you know, clearance for the next level or government approval. My terminology is not totally correct on that. So, but what boundaries need to be put into place so that you can deliver the presentation. It may be having sleep going into the presentation, making sure that, you know, you have enough sleep. And if you know that the night before the presentation, you may have a lot of anxiety or nervous energy and the ability to not sleep well and say, say this presentation's on a Thursday. So this would be Wednesday night. You may want to back it up through the weekend and make sure that this is not the weekend where you stay up late on a Netflix binge or you go out into this late nights and having a lot of, you know, decadence and debauchery, right? That might be the weekend where you're really filling your mason jar up of sleep so that there can be those sleepless nights and it's not going to off ramp you on Thursday. The other thing is having a deadline for the final version to be done. I recently gave a talk. It was my first in-person talk probably since 2019 because 2020, right? We kind of shut down and I don't remember in quarter one, if I had in-person talks, I need to go back and look at that. But a year ago in April, I had three talks that I gave, but it was all over zoom. And then all of a sudden I was coming back into going back and speaking again. And my key learning as I'm like really pushing up against it and, you know, getting prepared until 845 the night before was, oh, I don't like this stress and this extra anxiousness on top of the vulnerability of going and giving a public talk, right? Public speaking and giving a speech and a presentation. I don't like this feeling. What do I need? What boundaries need to be put into place? In the future, there's two things. One is I want my presentation to be all done and written a week before. And then if I want to tweak it and stuff, I have the space to work on it. Two is I'm only going to say yes to stuff and it has to be a minimum of a month out, right? Again, for that space, as I'm getting older, space is becoming a really important boundary. I used to like to pack in a lot of stuff, but there was all this reactivity and all this like, you know, go, go, go energy. And that's what creates burnout, right? That surge. And we're all depleted from that. So those are a couple of the deadlines. Then the other one is where you're not allowed to judge yourself, right? We need to stop judging ourselves. Judgment is rooted in shame. It's that voice of you're not enough. Who the hell do you think you are, right? We need to stop with that. And it doesn't help us. And instead it's about the key learnings. What are the key learnings from that experience, right? And after you give the talk, then you can look at and evaluate after you give the presentation, 
look at and evaluate what worked well, what can be improved. And this is so important. Even after my talk that I gave, right, I started working on that and I've got some more to do about what worked well, what can be improved, because that's really the growth that happens. So for those of you who are giving high pressure presentations at work, you are speaking, right? Something that's, you feel like there's something on the line. What are the boundaries that need to be put into place so that you can deliver the presentation, the work product, right? We're always learning. The next scenario, the next situation is connection with our family. And I'm going to go to the simple one of a very precise, the family dinners. What does that look like? Especially as we have re-entered and we were all at home for a while and now life has gotten busy and there's all these sporting events and practices and kids going different ways and work and maybe you or your spouse are working and traveling now, right? What are the boundaries that need to be put into place so that you can create connection at family dinners, right? And it may be that you have a family dinner once a week because of all the schedules. Maybe the connection at dinner is the family kind of gets split into half and one group eats at this time together and one group eats at this time together. However it works, but what are the boundaries? And it could be an example of there's no phones at the table, and I can't tell you how often there's a, there's an issue with a teenager with having boundaries on their phones, but there's a parent at the table who has made a belief that there's no way that they can step away from their phone because of what they do. Right. And that's not having boundaries. We need to have boundaries so that we can support each other. We need to have boundaries so that we can have connected, loving relationships It probably takes, you know, 20 minutes to 40 minutes to eat dinner at night together. And that's just the sitting down at the meal. And I remember back in the day, most people, we still have a landline, but back in the day and the phone would ring during dinner time and my bonus kids would be like, oh, but we need to answer it. And we would say, look, the answering machine can get it right now. It's important that we all sit here and spend time together. We can get that. That's not an emergency. And we can listen to see what they're saying on the voicemail. And if it's something that, oh no, we do need to pick up, we can pick up. But there's no reason to go and answer the phone and then possibly get, like I like to say, call it, get hijacked, right? So somebody calls and then you're on the phone with them for 30 minutes because maybe there aren't the boundaries of, hey, can I call you back? So it's an opportunity to say, no phones at the table. Let the voicemail get the phone call right? Now that people text more than even call, we can get back to that. There's not that big of an emergency, right? The other boundary that may need to be at the family table is leaving judgment aside and instead bringing in curiosity, having discussions, talking, allowing people to share their thoughts and ideas, right? Learning how to have engaged conversations and learning from each other's and point of view, Right? And that's something that I'm working on practicing more myself. And then the final situation I want to talk about is self-care. So the situation is self-care and what boundaries do you need to put in place so that you can take care of you? So one of them may be the permission to say no, like you give yourself the permission to say no to others. And it's of course going to trigger the, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm a bitch or I'm being too much or I'm too difficult. And is that really true? Are you? It could be that you need to be able to ask for help 
give yourself the boundary that you can ask for help. And ask means it's a question. It's not a demand. It's not a power over, right? And I know like, especially when my kids were young and, you know, we had this busy family and there was very little space in the day. What I did was I took care of myself first in the beginning of the day while everybody was still asleep, right? I would get up and go work out. I might get up and journal. I might write or read, right? Because that was time that I had a bit more guarantee versus all the chaos and grenades that may be going off in the day. And I just found from a lot of learning, a lot of falling down moments that if I put that stuff off later in the day, it was actually more challenging to come back to it or nearly impossible. So the question to ask yourself, and this is a great question. I love it. It's one of my favorite questions is what boundaries need to be put into place so I can, and you answer that question. And I'm going to share some of the answers that my group came up with right? What boundaries that need to be put into place, having self-awareness, understanding what it is that you need and don't need, right? Boundaries could be kindness. That kindness needs to be in this space. It could be giving myself permission to ask for what I want, right? It's okay to ask for what I want. (laughs) Or how about this one? I have this post-it note on my computer. It's okay to do what I want. Now there's contextual layers to that, right? Like it's okay to do what I want as long as it's legal and safe and doesn't harm others, but it's okay to do what I want. What is it that you want? Another is I'm not responsible for other people's response. I'm responsible for me, right? And that part's really, really important, knowing what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. A boundary could be limiting the time spent on your phone or a boundary can be when we're in this meeting together, we're putting away all digital devices so we can be here and be focused so we can get out of this meeting. I mentioned sleep many times. Another one is meditation. I'm not a meditator. When he said do Bikram yoga, that was a moving meditation, right? But meditation really works well for a lot of people, you know? Another boundary can be reading for 10 minutes. It can be small things. Sometimes I know I need to fill myself up by reading, getting in some other ideas, hearing a voice. And sometimes it's just an idea that I know that reminds me of what I'm thinking. Or sometimes it's ideas that I don't agree with or don't know. And I'm learning and I'm being curious. So reading making sure that you're not thirsty or hungry. Like before you go into a meeting, making sure you're taking care of yourself and that you have the, you're filled up, right? Nutrition wise and thirst wise. Feeding and watering yourself, right? Fueling yourself. Maybe bring in, like when I come into my office in the morning, I make sure I have my coffee and my water because I tend to do back-to-back calls and I need to make sure that my voice doesn't go dry and I have something to drink on right? And I have breaks in my day to refuel with food, right? Creating space. And so you can be conscious of your time, like having space between meetings. That's something that is, can be really effective. It allows for, again, that, that flow of like, oh, if something kind of bumps over, how many people with having Zoom meetings now that go back to back and we're in the past, they may have to walk to the next place. So there would be that buffer of time and space, but then it was, oh, it's on Zoom. So we got rid of those boundaries. 
but you weren't ready to go from one meeting to the next. What do you need to do to build into that? Not judging self, cultivating self-compassion. I said earlier, the permission to say no, like you giving yourself your own permission, reminding yourself that you're not responsible for other people's emotion. You are responsible for your energy or your emotion that you bring into the space, right? The boundary may need to be acceptance that this is what it is. There are grenades going and we're going to work on solving them or we're going to work on getting through this. For some, a boundary may be that you need to move. You need to exercise. I know, was it last week? I got done and it was my lunch break and I decided like I checked in and I was like, I needed to move because the next thing I had on my schedule was to do some creative work and I needed to move. I'd been sitting and coaching all day and I needed to move and then have lunch and then do my creative work. So movement was a really important boundary for me. Here's one, the permission to not solve the problem in the moment. Remember how earlier I said about discernment, like having the discernment. So sometimes there are problems that absolutely must be solved right now, right? If you are a captain of a fire department and the the building is burning, you can't say, oh, I don't need to solve this problem right now, right? That's not, that's not discernment, but realizing when does this problem need to be solved? What is your capacity? right? So the permission to not solve the problem in the moment, the permission to discern what is an immediate priority and what is not an immediate priority. A boundary may be the connection with others. Maybe you need to have and fill yourself up with connecting with others so that you can go back into work and do deep work or travel or do hard work or, you know, what are those boundaries? Another boundary is having fun in your life and filling yourself up with that. While we have fun, not every moment is a happy, happy, joy, joy, yippy, skippy moment, but filling yourself up so that you can also go through those hard times, right? So those are some examples of how to answer that question of what boundaries need to be put into place right? And so sometimes it's so you can work from your, the essence of who you are, right? From your own authentic self. It's so that what boundaries that need to be put into place so that you can go and do this really scary thing. Maybe it's giving feedback back to an employee. Maybe it's asking for what you need. Maybe it's doing work on your relationship, right? What boundaries need to be put into place so that you can show up for your family, What boundaries need to be put in place so that you can go to, maybe it's a funeral service or a wedding, right? Or when the holidays come. So as you think about boundaries and remember, again, we'll go back to Prentice Hemphill's words. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. What is the structure that you need so that you can show up in a place of love? so that you can show up with compassion and empathy. And that, my friend, is how we rise up together versus power over each other. All right, I'm smiling big for you. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short, they're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show 
and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life because people often want to know what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude and that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. Drifting, never been so wide.